Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Record. Because yesterday I had my defined study group with my girls at church, where we're going through the book called Defined by Priscilla Shire. And it's a young women's study. But if you've never learned this stuff, it doesn't matter how old you are, you need to learn it eventually. And I've been going through it. And I just ordered another book because I'm going to go through it again with my daughter starting next week when my class is over and really go through it and talk about it again, because it's just so good. You can get it on Amazon. I think it's 15 bucks. It's a five-day devotion. So in the devotions only take like 10 minutes, maybe. And it's a really great way to just get in the habit of sitting down and spending time with God. And before I did any kind of study or devotions like this, I had a really hard time showing up for God every day and spending time just reading my Bible. Like that was really hard for me to like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and read my Bible today. It's, it's intimidating. It's like, I don't, I don't know where my Bible is. I don't know where to start reading. I don't really understand it when I do read it. And I, I don't know, I'll, maybe I'll just do it later. And there's so much unknown that we just procrastinate it. We'll read it later. Maybe I'll get a different Bible. Maybe I'll talk to someone about it. Maybe one day I'll pull this out. And it's just kind of intimidating until you learn a little bit about it. My favorite Bible, just real quick, I've said this before, is a chronological Bible where they've put the Bible in order of events, which like, hello, why is the Bible not written like that in the first place? Like who jumbled up all these chapters and was like, here you go. We'll just give it to you like this. I'm sure there's a reason, but if you want to actually learn the Bible and read it like a story, like you would like sit down and, okay, I'm going to read my book, get a chronological Bible and get one. That's like the new living translation. Uh, that's one of the easiest ones to understand and get large print. <laughs> so you don't have to strain your eyes. And there's one that matches all of those that's on Amazon. It's like, I think it's $15. So really good. Just a little side note. Oh, good. Terry has a chronological Bible too. And she loves it. And good morning, Alicia. Glad you're here. We love when you're on. Um, so I just had a really hard time, like sitting down and listening to something and showing up to grow my faith and, and just to grow myself. And these little devotions are amazing because you will learn so much about yourself and it's a little thing that you read and then it asks you questions and you, it says like, look up this scripture and this scripture and what is, what is the same message they have in common and how can you apply this to your life? And it's so good. And yesterday we were talking all about being in the will of God. And I don't know about you, but I've always felt like being in the will of God sounds like one day I'm going to be in his will. Like I'm going to, I'm going to achieve this big thing and I'm going to be in his will, in the will of God one day. But what I found is that we always are thinking like, 
when I get that job, when I get married, when I have kids. Like I remember being a teenager and thinking when I got my driver's license, I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel so old. Like I'm going to feel like an adult when I can drive a car and then I could drive a car. And I, I mean, I did think I was an adult, you know, you do think, you know, everything you do, but then I'm like, okay, when I get married, like when I get married and have a house, I'm really going to feel like I've made it. And I'm just, I'm just an adult and here I am. And so then I got married. Well, I had kids first and got married. And then I still was like, okay, I still don't really feel like an adult. I still feel like a child in this adult life. Like, I don't feel like I am as old as I, like, as I should feel. And then I got to be, uh, you know, then I'm like, okay, if I just have more kids, I think when I have more kids, I'll finally feel like a mom. Like when I'm in my thirties, I'll be like, okay, I feel like a mom now. And to be honest, I don't that, that mom or that person, like, I still feel like I'm 16 with my driver's license trying to pretend like I'm an adult. (laughs) Like most days I really just feel the same. And I was talking to some people in my study yesterday and they felt the exact same way. And some of the women are 40, 50, 60 years old. And it's like, yeah, we just, you still feel the same. You're just in an older body. You're just doing more mature, older things. You have more responsibility, but you still feel the same as you always have. And so that will of God that one day I'm going to be there. It's really just kind of a limiting belief of, you know, one day I'll feel like I'm enough. One day I'll feel successful. It's the same type of thing. You're in the will of God. If you have a good attitude where you're experiencing the fruits of the spirit, like joy, patience, um, you know, all of those things, and you're paying attention and you're present at what God has laid before you today. That's when you're in the will of God. So if you felt like me, like the will of God is this big thing that one day maybe I'll be in, you're in it right now, as long as you're having a good attitude and you're being present and focusing on what he's put before you. So what that looks like is if you told someone you're going to do something, show up and do it. Make your word be something. If someone's relying on you, do what you promise to do. If you have a job and you have a project due, it's doing the project with a cheerful attitude and getting it submitted and getting it done for your boss. It's cleaning your house and taking care of your family, driving your kids places, making dinner, packing lunches, doing your husband's laundry. One of the women in the class last night, she's like, I don't know why, but I'll do everything cheerful except my husband's laundry. While I'm folding his laundry, I'm just thinking the whole time he can do this himself. Why am I folding his laundry? And she's like, it was so wrong of me to have this feeling like I never wanted to match his socks. I never wanted to fold his clothes. And she's like, I would just be so like spiteful while I was doing it. Like there's nothing wrong with him and she works and he doesn't. So they're like a different dynamic right now. So she's like, especially because I'm working and he's not like he could fold the clothes. Like, why am I doing this? And she's like, God totally just hit me one day. Like shame on you. You should be doing all things like you're doing them for Jesus. Would you not match Jesus's socks? Would you be like, all right, Jesus, here's your clothes. I didn't fold them or match your socks. Like, no, you would fold them. You'd lay them neatly. You would do it with a cheerful attitude. You wouldn't do it and be mad. Like we're learning in my family right now about doing things that we don't want to do joyfully. And whether you're eight years old doing the dishes 
or you're 30 years old going to work or taking care of your home or pulling weeds or taking your dog to the vet. And there's a lot of things that we don't want to do, but having a cheerful attitude and being joyful about them is what we're called to do. We're called to do that, to be grateful that you have a home to take care of, to be grateful that you have a husband to fold laundry for, to be grateful that you have a dog or you have money to take them to the vet. You have a car to take them to the vet. And it's being in this moment of the will of God, which is just, which is just so amazing to me when I heard her talk about this, thinking like, okay, I'm in the will of God right now. I have this thought of like, I need to keep working. I need to keep doing things. I need to keep, I need more. I need to do more for God. I need to do more for the world in order to have it written on my tombstone that Taryn lived her life for God. But I'm already doing that. I'm already being present. I'm already focused on what that is. So don't let the devil distract you or get you down or deceive you or make you think that you're not enough or you're not doing enough or you don't have enough or you haven't achieved enough because you can be exactly who God designed you to be right now. The way you think, the way you are, the way that you come up with things in your mind, ideas that you have, passions that you have deep down inside of you, all of these things were given to you for a reason. God wants you to impact this generation right now. All of these people in the Bible that came before us, they were to impact that generation. We're called here and placed specifically strategically in our community to make an impact for this generation. And you don't even have to have kids to make an impact for this generation. It's not like you just have to pour into your kids. There are so many other people around you that we are called to pour into and we are called to mentor and we are called to be together in community. And that's really what I wanted to talk to today is the two things that we need to have in our own life and we need to give out at the exact same time is mentorship and peer-to-peer community. Those are two huge, huge important things that are needed. And the Bible is filled with people that God had sent to them to mentor and to help them along the way. And I remember when I was starting out my business, And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be a life coach and I want to inspire people and I want to build a brand online to impact people, to get my message out. I had no idea how to do that. Zero idea. I knew, I knew none of it. And so I went and I hired a mentor. I hired a coach so she could tell me, Hey, I've done this before. Let me show you how I've done it. It'll be way easier when I show you, you'll feel better because you'll have me to talk to along the entire journey. Let's go do this together. And it's kind of like the entire idea of a brand in general. That's really what a brand is. I always tell people when you build a brand, you're basically throwing a rope from one side of the the mountaintop to the other and saying, Hey, you, you don't have to go down into that Valley. Come across this rope. I know a shortcut. I can help you. So like if you were in a really abusive marriage for a long time and you finally woke up and realized and left it, and now you want to create a brand where you're helping open the eyes of other women that are being abused and help them to leave easier, it's like the underground railroad. It's like, come this way. I know a secret shortcut and I'm going to help you out of this mess. 
that's what a brand is. So maybe you're building a brand online, or maybe it's just who you are and what you're passionate about and what you care about, where you put your time and where you volunteer and the things that really matter to you. But building a brand is really like mentoring the other people and helping them come across because there are a lot of struggles while you're down in the valley and it's really scary. And one chapter in my book, the first chapter is called the valley. And I talk about the valley and I relate it to hiking up a mountain, a real actual mountain. Like thinking, oh, Terry says, after leaving a horrible abusive marriage, I was told, I didn't even know that. See, God just had me say that for you. After leaving a horrible abusive marriage, I was told by a minister that I would never go to heaven. I would never be forgiven. Oh, I hate that. I hate bad advice from authoritative figures because that is not true. God does not want you to be in an abusive relationship. Let me just put that out there right now. <laughs> he does not want you to be in an abusive relationship. Um, yeah, good thing you knew better to not believe him. <laughs> and so, you know, like I compare it to hiking out of a mountain, like for real, think about it. If I was like, hey, book a plane ticket, we're going to go to Brazil. We're going to hike up this crazy, huge mountain. We're going to do it in August. And it's going to take us three days to hike to the top. The weather conditions are going to be crazy. It could rain. It could snow up there. It could be really high winds. We're going to prepare and we're going to train and we're going to go up there. Would you feel better if I said, we, we're going to go up there. We're going to do this together. I'm going to send you my trainer. I'm going to give you my list of things to start eating right now. Exercises to start doing, to start building endurance. I'm going to give you that my Amazon wish list of all the things you need to buy for your backpack and your rope and all the things to hold you in your 10 and your water and all these things. Or if I just said, here you go, I booked you a ticket. You're going to go hike up this mountain um, in August. Good luck. It's like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to buy. I don't know how to be prepared for that. And it will take you so much longer, not only to figure it out, like that takes a really long time to just figure out all the logistics of it, of like, okay, how do I do this? You're going to start Googling, researching, finding people to talk to. It, it's a lot of figuring out the logistics, but really it's, it's the belief that you can do it. And to me, I feel like a mentor is more important for your own mindset than for even the logistical structure of it. Someone to say, oh yeah, I've done it. It's not a big deal. You can do it too. Here, let me tell you what I did. No problem. Because the battle is believing. The battle is really believing truly that you can do whatever is said in front of you. And as I've been reading the Bible and going through all these different stories and all these people, it just like blows my mind at how much these people just believed and just were obedient and just did like crazy things. Like my daughter and I right now are learning about Moses. We watch these things on YouTube. They're called Superbook. Adults can watch them too. You don't have to have a little kid in your house to watch them. But if you do have a little kid around you, watch these. They're cartoons. They're super cute. And it's this boy and girl and this robot. And they're doing something. And then all of a sudden, like there's a lesson to be learned. And this super book pops up and it's the Bible. 
and they like go into the Bible and then they go into a story that like teaches them about what they were learning about over here. Like they didn't want to follow the rules at the campground and they were mad about rules. And then they're like, oh, super book. And they go into the super book and they learn about the 10 commandments and why rules are important and why rules were there and what happened when there weren't rules. So it kind of relates it to that. But we're watching the super book there and it's, it goes in seasons and it goes like in order, like the very first season, the very first episode is in heaven when Lucifer fell from heaven, what happened, went down to hell, tried to, it's, it's so cool to see, especially if you know the stories a little bit, it makes it so cool to see it like, oh yes, like it really just sticks. I'm a really visual person. So we're now in like episode seven, I think. And we're learning about Moses and what Moses had to do. And I just think if I had to be Moses, it would be really bad. Like the world wouldn't be where it is today because I wouldn't have done what he told Moses to do. I wouldn't have done a lot of things that God told his people to do. And not only, okay, not only like doing the thing, but back then there, there wasn't a Bible. And there wasn't the Holy Spirit. So no one heard from God because God wasn't in us. And no one knew of God because it wasn't in a Bible and it wasn't the number one read and sold book in the world. And all of a sudden you see this bush on fire and you hear this voice coming from the bush. Do you know how crazy you would feel like going and telling people like, so I was talking to this burning bush. And the bush told me to tell you to let my people go. <laughs> like, and it was this scary king that it was enslaving everyone in Israel and was so intimidating and was so scary. And you walk up to him, like, let my people go. And it says that Moses wasn't really good at words. So a lot of people have said, like, maybe he had a stuttering problem or he was just super insecure or he was soft-spoken. But he kept saying, like, I'm not the right person for this. I'm not even good with words. Like, I'm not the person that's going to go. And imagine him going there. And if he did have a stuttering problem, him having to go up there and be like, let, let my people go. Like, the Pharaoh was like, get out of here. I'm not letting anybody go. Get out of my sight. And then God was like, go back and say it again. And he goes, like, you could have been beheaded right there. Like, off with his head. Or hang him in the town. And just that takes so much courage and showing up. And then he goes out and he finally does, he finally releases all the plagues that happen, the frogs and the locusts and the boils and all the things that happen. And so finally, Pharaoh is like, okay, this guy is for real because he said, I'm going to unleash all this stuff on you if you don't let my people go. And it happened. So he finally was like, take your people and get out of here because his firstborn son died all these things happen. And he's like, get out of here. And then they decide to go chase them. It wasn't like he just rescued 10 people. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to take these 10 people. and We're going to get out of here. We're going to go to the next town. We're going to go stay at the Hyatt. Like think about they were in the desert and he took like 10,000 people with him. 10,000 people that were enslaved and in bondage. Now they don't, they're in the desert. There's no water. There's no food. It's not like you can just go to the IHOP or Golden Corral in the town over. Like there is nothing. There's no food. You're in the desert. There's no vegetation. 
They have nowhere to live. They have nothing to build any shelter or anything. There's little kids, there's old people. And Moses is the leader of 10,000 people. That's a terrifying job. <laughs> that is a job that I would not want is to be leading 10,000 people through the wilderness. And they're all thinking that you're crazy. Like, why aren't we hearing from God? Why do you keep saying that you keep hearing from God and that you know best and we're supposed to follow you? And he then has his father-in-law come and meet him, Jethro. And he meets him and he hears about all of the amazing things that God has done for him after God parted the Red Sea so that they could escape through. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that part of the story but they are all, the Pharaoh decides, you know what? Let's go get them. Let's go kill all of them. I can't believe we just let them go. Let's go kill them. And he takes everyone, every single piece of his army to go hunt them down, which doesn't take long. They're all in like chariots and horses. And these people are just walking through the desert. So he goes and they're, they're in the front of the Red Sea and there's nowhere to go. And God tells Moses to open his hands and lift up his staff and the sea will be parted. And it literally parts and they walk through it and get to the other side. And just as the army goes into the sea in the path, he closes in the water and kills every single one of them. So word travels fast. I mean, those are some pretty big things. Like, did you hear what happened in Israel? <laughs> like, I don't know if you know this, but so Jethro comes and finds Moses and it's like, this is amazing. Like God is showing you so much favor with these people. And he also provided manna to fall from the sky at night. These little bread flakes that they could eat that would keep them alive. I'm glad that I don't just have to survive on manna. Okay. I'm glad that I get like a whole kitchen full of food. I just sometimes don't know what I want to eat. Like how crazy is that? Like that's our biggest thing is like, I don't know. Nothing sounds good. And you like go in the fridge and you look and then you like close it and you go in the cabinet, you look in the cabinet and you're like, no, you go back to the fridge. Then you're in the freezer. Then you're like back to the cabinet again, as if like something's going to change. And then you're back in the fridge, like looking like how amazing is it that that is something that we have to struggle with is not knowing what we feel like eating because we have so much that we can't make up our mind. That was never even a thing back then. They were literally like, we're about to start eating these tumbleweeds or you need to provide us some food because we need to eat. So Jethro tells him, and Jethro is the first mentor that I want to talk about because he tells him, he sees Moses leading all of these people. And every time, I mean, so 10,000 people together, they're all hungry. They're all thirsty. They're all tired. And they're all doubting. Imagine the moods that people were in. Imagine the attitudes people had, the fighting and quarreling and picking on each other. And that was mine and give me that. And just imagine the fight. They were bringing everything to Moses. Like Moses, Moses, do you see what they did? Do you see what he did over there? And Jethro's watching this and he says in Exodus, uh, this, is, this whole story is in Exodus chapter 18. And he teaches him, about leadership and delegation. And he says, hold on, I'm gonna pull it up. He teaches them about delegation and he says, 
what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle all this alone. Listen to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, that are trustworthy, who hate dishonesty, and appoint them as official over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God commands you, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. And Moses received that very well. He's like, okay, you know what? This is a really good idea. This is exhausting trying to lead and manage all of these people. I need to delegate. And so he did. And without that mentorship and that guidance that Jethro gave to Moses, I don't think that Moses would have survived with the 10,000 people. And as you go through and read the rest of the story, you would agree too, that there is no way that Moses would have been able to manage and handle 10,000 people all on his own. He needed other people. God is going to put mentors in your life that are going to help you, encourage you, believe that you can do this. And it's also going to help carry you to the next level in your life. You might have a mentor in your life right now that you recognize or don't, or you might not have a mentor at all. But if you don't have one, I want you to pray and to start praying every day, write this, write down the prayer and pray it every day that God brings you someone who can mentor you or opens your eyes to someone who's already in your life that could mentor you. And now you don't have to call them and ask them, hey, will you be my personal mentor? It's just going to be someone that you're going to have in your pocket to know that when things get difficult or I need advice, I'm going to call that person and ask them, hey, what do you think about this? I'm getting this message. I'm having this feeling. What does the scripture say about this? Or you know, what is, what is your personal experience with something like this? Now, the mentor that you want is someone who knows scripture and knows godly information because you could get the wrong information. You don't want to learn to do something the wrong way. You want to learn to do something the right way. And that's huge. And that's a, that's a huge lesson in leadership in general. I had a team of 10,000 when I was in network marketing and I was a control freak. And I was trying to do everything on my own in the beginning. Like I'll run the call, I'll do the training, I'll come up with that. I, I was I was running myself rampant. I was doing 14 hour coaching calls a day. I mean, I was exhausted. I was burnt out because I was doing everything by myself. And then I realized, okay, what's happening here? Like I need to delegate and I need to do this. So Another story is about Ruth and Naomi, and this is in Ruth chapter two. And I don't know if you guys have heard about Ruth and her story, but Ruth was the daughter-in-law to Naomi. So Naomi was married and she had two sons and one of her sons married Ruth. Now something happened and Naomi lost her husband and both of her sons, they died. 
And so she was a widow. And the only thing she had was Naomi. And she had another daughter-in-law too, but the other daughter-in-law ended up going back to her own land where she was from. But Ruth said, I'm not going back to my own land. I'm going to go with you back to your hometown. And I don't care if I'm a foreigner there. I want to be with you. You're my family. You're my people. I want to be with you. And Ruth, her story is just very encouraging and great because she's so selfless and does that instead of just, okay, I'm going to go home, be back with my family. She's like, no, I'm going to stay with you. And God really shows her so much favor. And I don't know if you guys have in your town, we have in our town, this organization called the Gleaners and the Gleaners is a food pantry where people in need can go and you can also donate your food and people can go and they can get food there. And I never knew that the word glean was an actual word. I just thought that was the name of the organization, but gleaners back in the day, after the people would come and harvest the crops, the gleaners would be, you'd had to stay so far back and you could have permission to follow behind and pick up all the scraps that they didn't pick up. So let's say you're gardening and you're pulling all the green beans off of the stalks and you're grabbing them all off of there and you're leaving like the crappy ones and you're leaving the ones that are like kind of brown or the bugs have eaten or they've fallen on the ground like you don't want those ones you're just taking the good ones and you keep going well then there would be this group of people that would come behind and take all the scraps and those are people that were widows orphans um people that were in poverty that didn't have anything and so some of these farms would say, yes, you can come in here and you'd have to have approval to do this. Well, Ruth gets approval to glean at Boaz's farm. And while she's there, Boaz sees her and is like, who's that girl? Who is that? And they're like, oh, that's the woman. Her husband just died and we have her gleaning here. And he shines so much favor on her. And not only, by Melanie, thanks for being here. Uh, not only does does he show favor on her but he says you know what you don't even have to glean over here how about you go with my women for my farm that are harvesting and you can take whatever you want stay close to them because you don't want to be in a bad situation out here with random men and stay close to the women and you'll be kept safe and you'll also be able to get a lot more and so she comes home and she tells her mother-in-law oh my gosh, like how amazing that this is. And what Ruth does or what Naomi does is she just validates and encourages and loves on Ruth and says, absolutely, this is so great. Make sure you listen to him. You're doing so good. Go back tomorrow. Keep doing the same thing. Make sure you're grateful. Make sure you're polite. Keep going. Keep talking to him. Boaz is a really great man. He's actually from our family. He could show you so much favor. She ends up marrying Boaz down the road. But Ruth and Naomi stay together. And Naomi is the total encourager to Ruth's life. And imagine you, you lose your husband. You're in a foreign land. You now have nothing because back then your worth was just about your men in your life. Your worth was your status of your husband. And if you didn't have a husband, your status was your son. And if you didn't have a son, you were nothing. 
like literally you were nothing. Like you weren't allowed places. You couldn't have a job. So she just had this life and everyone died. And now she's in a foreign land. You know how terrible that would feel? And you're picking the leftover scraps out of someone's garden. And that's supposed to get you to where you need to be. Like put yourself in that place. How much did Ruth need encouragement at that time? And Naomi needed encouragement. God brought them both together on purpose for a purpose to keep going, to encourage them. And, and I just, I love Ruth's story. And, and even the end of that is so good. Read the book of Ruth. If you want to hear the whole thing, because it's just really great how God has showed favor on her for being obedient and doing what she's supposed to. But my last and favorite one that I want to talk about is Mary, the mother of Jesus and Elizabeth which was Mary's cousin. And so this is in, um, this is in Luke chapter one. And you know, when you hear things like little bits and pieces of stories and in the Bible, and maybe some of the things that I just said, you're like, oh yeah, I, I remember hearing about that, but you don't know all the pieces and it doesn't totally make sense. And then you keep learning as you go on. And then you're like, oh, okay. That's what it means by that. Or that's what they were talking about. And you kind of like get this like aha moment. This is what I was feeling yesterday when I was reading this and I was reading about Elizabeth and Mary. And so if you don't know the story about, I wish I had my Bible because I had all this highlighted. Um, but if you don't know this story, so Mary was not married and she was a virgin and she was young. So she was engaged. She was really young. And she was in a really poor town. So she wasn't like some rich, wealthy person. She wasn't a queen. She wasn't old and established. She probably felt like she was pretty unequipped and was like, oh, hold on, God, you made a mistake. Like, I can't do this. So think about something in your life that God has told you to do. And you're like, um, no, like, I don't know why you keep telling me to homeschool my kids because I absolutely could never homeschool. I could barely get through school myself. I'm not going to be a good homeschool teacher. Maybe God's telling you to go repair a relationship with someone and you're like, uh, nope, you don't understand. You don't know them. You don't know how that is. You don't know how that went down. Or God's telling you to write a book or start a course or sell a product or speak on stage or whatever he's telling you to do. And you've known that I was talking to a girl yesterday on Instagram who messaged me and told me that she really wants to quit her job. And she knows that God wants her to move to Spain and to teach in Spain. But then it went into like all these like limiting beliefs and fears and worries and doubts. And I'm like, okay, hold up. <laughs> like, you know, the instruction you, you, like there were no doubt words in her instruction to me. She didn't say, I think maybe God wants me to go to Spain or maybe somewhere else and maybe teach, or there was no words like just maybe kind of, she would, she said, God wants me to go to Spain and teach. And then it was all the doubt words after and the fear. And I said, if you really think that God is telling you that, then you need to do that. And you need to quit your job and not have fear because all of these people that have come before us that had way bigger things that God told them to do and had way more responsibility, God in scripture promises to show up for you. 
He promises to fulfill you. He promises to, if you hear from God, then he, it's true. And his plan is better than yours. And he has it all worked out and you just have to not have fear and you need to boldly move forward because that's what's going to make the biggest impact. That's why he created you. That's why you're here is to impact this generation to help the, the time that you're on this earth be a better place. That's what we're here for, to help the people around us to be closer to God, to be less like the world, to be have, to have the fruits of the spirit to be patient, to be loving, to be kind, to have joy. These are the things that we're supposed to have in us. So Mary sees this angel in the middle of the night. And the angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And then he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay. I don't know about you, but if I was sleeping and this angel showed up and told me all of this, I would have way more to say than Mary did. The only thing that Mary says is how will this be since I'm a virgin? Like, it just shows her character, this like sweet, innocent woman who's like, hmm, how will this be? I'm only a virgin. Like, you didn't, like, nothing else freaked you out that the angel said you'd, like, I would be like, I'm, I'm not married. We're too poor. I have no idea how to be a mom. I am scared of this. I don't know. I have no idea how to raise a kid. Like, I'm only a kid myself. What are people going to say? How am I going to do it? We don't have any money. Like what I would have so many questions, so many doubts, so many fears. I know that because I have so many questions, doubts, and fears when God says, write a book. Like writing a book is a lot easier than carrying the Messiah of the entire world and then having to raise this child. Like he tells me to write a book and I'm like, what am I going to call it? How am I going to write it? I was never good with words. I never, I never even passed English class. My English professor told me that I would never be good at writing anything. I don't know how to do it. I don't have money to do it. How will I get it out there? How will I make time to write it? Where do I even start? We have all these fears and questions, but I love so much how Mary answers after the angel tells her the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. You're going to conceive. Um, this whole thing. And then he even tells her, he says, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. And so the angel tells Mary, your cousin, Elizabeth is also pregnant. She's six months pregnant right now. So it's okay. He tells her when he's delivering this miracle, he tells her something that will comfort her, something that will help her feel better. There's another person in your family who is pregnant and she's six months ahead of you. So if you're six months ahead of someone, how did that makes you feel comfortable? That makes you feel connected. Like, oh, thank God, Elizabeth can help me with this because I have no idea even where to start. Mary says this, and I want to live by this. This is how I want to be. 
when God tells me to do something. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And that's how she answers. And that might not have been how she was feeling. And it's just how she answered and she was being respectful and she was just faking it. You know, like, okay, let me just say whatever to get this angel out of here. I'm scared to death. You know, what is Joseph going to say? But then she goes and she, she visits Elizabeth. So it says at that time, Mary got ready. She hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Elizabeth's home and Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. Her baby inside of her leaped in her womb because she has another story. Elizabeth got pregnant and she was very old and she had tried to conceive and she never could. Her husband was Zachariah. They never could conceive. Well, Zachariah was in a temple, an angel appeared to him and said, your wife, Elizabeth is going to have a baby and you're going to name him John. And then immediately Zachariah couldn't speak. He was mute and he came out of the temple and he was trying to sign things and talk and no words were coming out of his mouth and nothing came out of his mouth until after this interaction with Mary and Elizabeth, he was able to speak again. So and if you've watched The Chosen, which we've talked about that before, uh, John the Baptist is who is Elizabeth's son. So this baby inside of Elizabeth is John the Baptist. So he already was designed to you know, have this crazy, amazing life for Christ. And so they bring him together. John is in her stomach, literally leaps for joy that hears that Mary's here and is pregnant with Jesus. Like, how crazy is that? And... Um, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaims, cause she's so excited and she sees Mary coming in and hears this story. And it's like, this happened to me. And now I'm pregnant and God came to me and now God came to you. And this is so crazy. And this is so amazing. She says in a loud voice, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And when I read that yesterday, I literally started crying, thinking about that, those words, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Because when God spoke to me in August of 2020, he gave me a promise and he said, come closer to me. Your anxiety will go away. Share with people what you're learning. Be vulnerable, be open. And I promise you, you will be more fulfilled and more abundant and have way more with me than you ever would trying to do this on your own. And I felt really crazy for a really long time. I felt so crazy that I didn't even tell anyone about the encounter for so long because I hadn't really ever heard. I wasn't super close to God back then. This was just two years ago. I like knew of God and I considered myself to be a Christian, but I was just like a consumer of church. Um, and I didn't really know anything. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't really have an experience, like nothing crazy like that had ever happened to me. And so the first person I told was my mom, because my mom is very connected to God, has a very strong relationship with him. And I told her, and I, I like, couldn't even say the words as I was telling her the story. I'm like, I, I think it was God. Like, I don't know. I just like, I felt like I heard this voice, but it was my voice, but it wasn't my thought. And I was just trying to explain it to her. And she's like, yeah, I mean, that happens all the time. And I was like, to who? <laughs> like, what do you mean that happens all the time? Like, 
who is that happening to? Like you just hear from God, like you're not a prophet. You're not a saint. I'm not John the Baptist. I'm not Mary, the mother of Jesus. Like I'm not going to hear from God. And the more people I started telling the story to very slowly, very cautiously of who I was telling, which is a really good principle to adapt when something is so small and it's so fragile and it's so delicate, like the beginning of a dream or the beginning of a vision or the beginning of something, be careful who you tell that to because it's so delicate and it's so small that it could just be suffocated and squashed in a second. Like one second, it can just go away. If you have this dream of, I'm going to go be a music producer. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to go travel and I'm going to go, I'm going to go into this other land and I'm going to help these orphans or I'm going to go and I'm going to volunteer my time in Africa or these things that you feel everyone around you is going to be like, that's never going to work. How are you going to do that? What are you going to do with your job? How are you going to pay for it? You've never done that before. Why do you think you can do it? How are you going to make money? Where are you going to come up with the money to do it? Like there's so many doubts and fears in people and us that they're going to do it out of love. They're not going to do it to squash and suffocate your dream. But I used to teach people that in my network marketing business, when someone first joined my team, I would say, okay, now don't go running and telling everyone, you know, I just joined this network marketing team. I'm so excited. I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to be successful because they're going to squash that out of you. And you probably don't have enough confidence in you to be able to survive that. That when you hear your husband tell you, oh gosh, you're doing one of those things. Yeah. Good luck. You're never going to make money. And then you tell your mom and your mom's like, oh babe, like, come on, you're going to waste so much money doing that. Don't you want to do something else? Like it really will squash that in you because it's this new dream. It's this new idea. So you need to be super careful who you share that with because it could really, it could really ruin everything for you. But I just think that being someone where God speaks to you and tells you what to do next, the first time it happens, it feels really crazy. And I talked to my mom and I talked to a few people and I told my therapist that I was seeing at the time. And then I called a psychiatrist because I was like, I really think I'm crazy. Like, I really feel like I'm losing it. Because everything that God was telling me to do was completely opposite of what made sense. So like everyone around me was like, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? And people still to this day have no idea why I did what I did because it didn't make sense. Why work for six years to achieve your dream position in something and literally quit? Like, like, what are you going to do? Why would, why are you quitting? Like this, you're supposed to be, you're, you just started making it. Like, why are you going to quit now? That doesn't make any sense. And even to me, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I going to quit this? Why am I leaving all of this? And did God really talk to me in my bathroom? Like, am I losing it? Like, is this what people feel like when they're crazy? Like they start hearing voices and they start hearing things. And, and I would, I would literally And I know God spoke to me so many times after that, 
because I just, I remember sitting on the bow of our boat and I was on the phone with one of my friends who was in the industry and we were talking and I told her, I'm like, I just, I just have this feeling in me that keeps telling me what to do next. And I feel like I'm losing my mind because it's not making sense on paper. And it actually looks like I'm going the opposite way. And Mary probably felt really crazy. Like, did I really see an angel last night? I wonder if the morning after she saw the angel and she woke up, if she believed what she had seen. And she's like, am I actually pregnant? Is there, is there a baby in me? And she was a virgin and she wasn't married. So that's a big deal. It's not like you can just go on up to the doctor who is supportive of you even being a single teen. Like, no, you can't talk about that. You could be beheaded. You could be stoned to death. You could, I mean, some of the rules that were back in the day were really, really strict and they weren't messing around. So all the fear, all the doubt, all the craziness that she felt, God knew. And the reason why I cried is this, because God even cares about the little teeny tiny things in the story that matter, like your comfort and in the belief in yourself and feeling equipped that he knew that if he just made Mary pregnant and had no support and had no mentorship and had no guidance and had no one to, to clap and jump up and down with and say, blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. If she didn't have that, what would have happened to Mary? You have to have these mentors in your life that cheer you on that say, yes, that's the voice of God. You're doing the right thing. That's scriptural. Or no, that's not scriptural. You shouldn't do that. That is not what you should be doing. Do not listen to that. Do not do that. Do not believe that. You need someone to help pour into you to help keep guiding you in your life. And that's just the beginning of it. I mean, I studied Eli and Samuel when Eli taught Samuel how to listen to God. Samuel kept talking, Samuel kept hearing God's voice say, Samuel, Samuel in the middle of the night. And he kept jumping up and running to his dad, Eli and saying, yes, father, you called me. And he's like, I didn't call you go back to bed. And then he heard it again, Samuel, Samuel. And he jumped up and he's like, yes, father. And he's like, I didn't call you go back to bed. And after the third time, Eli realized this is God talking to him. And when Samuel came back, he said, Samuel answer and say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm listening. And the next day he said, so Samuel, what did God tell you? And he taught him how to listen to God. He taught him how to do that. Just like my mom comforted me when I was like, I think God spoke to me in my bathroom a couple weeks ago. Like things had just been really weird since then. And my mom was like, oh yeah, yep. What did he say? And I just felt so comforted to know I am not crazy this isn't weird. This isn't there. And even when Paul was a prisoner and he wrote a letter to Timothy, his son, and told him all about what to do for God, 
He's like, I'm a prisoner stuck in here and I can't help you and teach you. So I'm writing this letter in hopes that it finds you so that you know how to live your life for Christ. So you know the mission. Don't be weak. It's okay if you're enslaved. It's okay if you're prisoned. We are here to tell the good news. And he poured into him and he mentored him. Now you don't need a mom or a dad to pour into you and mentor you. You can pray for God to bring you a mentor, to bring you someone that can help you. That's why we've created this podcast in the first place is because this is a place for people to feel sane, for people to realize that we're not in the world. We're not doing things the way the world does them. We're doing things differently. And the reason why you need community and you need peers, so you need mentors, but you also need peers is because every single person has different gifts. God says in scripture that every person, and I'm going to read it to you in a second, every person has a different gift. And so you can actually go to a website. I did it yesterday to see what my gifts were. It's called gifts with an S. So G-I-F-T-S test.com.com. So gifts, plural, test.com. And I looked for one that wasn't like, I mean, I'm sure it's not like the most best one out there, but you didn't have to pay anything. You didn't have to give your email and your name and like sign your life away to get your test results. And it wasn't one of those things that's like, Oh, your results will be emailed to you. Just pay a dollar 99. You know, I was like looking for something really simple to see what your gifts are. These are spiritual gifts. So in Romans 12, okay, listen up because you probably don't know what your spiritual gift is. And if you do put it in the chat, the website is called gifts with an s test.com i just put it in the chat too and by the way if you're listening to this and you'd like to get on live with us to be able to talk in the chat to be able to ask questions and unmute we also have a telegram chat where we share resources and we talk between the podcasts and you want to be on live sometimes you can just click the link in my bio on instagram at taryn sarconi and there's a link that you can fill out your information and you'll get an email that gives you the link to the Zoom, the days and times, and the Telegram link that you can click on and join so you can be a part of us. If you really are like, I need this community, I need people, I need accountability, I need to show up, that's why we do this. That's why I don't record the podcast by myself with my microphone without anyone around. Like the whole point of this is the community, is the people around here. Okay, so Romans 12 verses three through eight says this, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I looked up the word sober judgment because I'm like, what does sober judgment mean? And this is when I'm reading something. I try to, I call it like the slow roll and I'll read a scripture like real slow and I'll, and I'll read it in my actual Bible because I like to write in my Bible. And any word I don't know what it means, I search it and I circle the word and I write an arrow and I write what the word means so I can like understand it. Because I was thinking sober judgment was you're sober, you're not intoxicated. And that's actually not what it means. Sober judgment means that you look at things the way that Christ looks at them, where you're looking at Christ first, other second, and then us as third. So when you're perceiving the world with sober judgment, you're thinking, how can I serve Christ? How can I serve others? And then how can I serve myself last? So it says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So thinking of yourself last and Christ and others in, in front of you, 
in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. And so these are the different gifts of the spirit. There's discernment, which the gift of discernment is the divine strength or ability to spiritually identify falsehood, to distinguish between right and wrong motives and the spiritual forces at work in situations. Uh, exhortation, which is the divine, and they, these all say like divine strength and ability, like it's, it's this divine, it's God power in you, like this extra ability, and this is actually mine, this extra ability to strengthen, comfort, and urge others to take action through the written or written or spoken word and biblical truth. I'm just a natural encourager. I hear someone and I'm like, oh no, you got to do this. This is what God says. Like I, that's just in me. I just, I want to do that all day long. It's just what I love to do. Faith, the gift of faith is the divine strength or ability to believe in God for unseen supernatural results in every arena of life. To teach and pastor and, or shepherd is um, to care for the personal needs of others by nurturing and mending life issues. Teaching is the ability to study and learn from the scriptures, primarily to bring understanding and depth to other Christians and relate it. So there's just some really quick scriptures um, because, and this is the last thing that I'm going to say before we get off, but it's really important that you surround yourself with people that are like you, because if you don't, you're going to become like them. And it's also really hard to feel confident and just courageous and bold and comfortable talking about things when you're with the world or with your, with your people. So like the things I watch on TV, the things that I will indulge in, the standards I have, the priorities I have, they're different than the world. So when I'm in the world, I feel weird. I feel weird like when I'm with a group of worldly friends, when we're out at the bar or where we go to a, a baseball game and then we stop at a bar after and then everyone wants to go to the strip club. That's when I'm like, I'm not going to the strip club. I don't do that. I feel weird having to be the odd one out when I'm in the group of people, because that's not who me and my husband are. But if I was with a group of people who just didn't do that, I wouldn't have to feel uncomfortable or weird. So it's, it's making sure your company is not going to corrupt you. Um, like the scripture that says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's why you need to be with good people because they're going to sharpen you. That's why we wake up and get on here because we're getting sharp. Like bring your dull knife to me. We're doing this. We're going to, we're going to make sure that we are equipped for the day at hand. Um, in Proverbs 13, it says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fool suffers harm. And, um, 
Okay, this one I want to read too. Hebrews 10, sorry, you probably thought I froze. <laughs> Hebrews 10 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you want to live out your purpose and be who God created you to be, you must stay connected. You must stay connected, getting on here live, watching the podcast. If you can't get on live, attending a church or a small group serving in your church, you have to just be around other people that are going to help you keep your compass pointing North. Like this is where we're going. We're not going here. We're not going here. We're going here. So pray for a mentor, pray for more sisters I even do that with my daughter. We started doing that because I was telling her, I said, you know, what's crazy is when I pray for God to bring me people into my life to help me and to guide me and to make an impact in my life or for me to impact in them. He always brings me someone every single day. Every time I pray it, he brings me someone and I write their name down. I have a whole book of people's names written down and all of you are in that book because I prayed and you came. And I know that you came from that. So I started teaching my daughter who's eight this and we pray before school on the way to school, God bring us someone and we pray and we talk about it. And then when I pick her up from school, we talk about who God brought in our life that day. And she asks me and then I ask her and we talk and we relate to this, start doing this and writing down the name of the person. And then this may take some time. It may take some time to get a mentor. It may take some time to find your community, to, to feel like you found your people. But remember, God's timing is always perfect and continue to make intentional progress forward every day. Every day, you're just making steps forward. And remember, being in the will of God is having the right attitude, being present and being a good steward of what he's put in front of you today. If the phone rings and it's your daughter or your son, answer the phone and encourage them. That's being in God's will, being available for people who need you. If you have a job, do it with joy. If you're doing chores around the house and folding your husband's socks and matching them, like do it with joy, do it with happiness. That's being in the will of God. And if you died right today on your tombstone, it would say she lived in the will of God. She was purposeful in her life. That's what this is about is day to day living. And that's why the days go by so fast. Like I was saying in the beginning, before we recorded this, they go by so fast because you're just living in the day. It's not about tomorrow. Scripture says today, everything is about today. What's in front of you today? What do you need to do today? So I hope you have a great week and you have gotten lots of little nuggets to think about and to apply to your life and start praying for these things. And let me know if God brings you someone and you just know that they're from prayer because I love hearing those testimonies and those stories about these connections, these like soulful connections that God brings in our life because we pray for them. But I love you so much. Thank you for being here live and thanks for listening to the recording. And remember you're chosen and anointed. Don't forget it. Okay. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, Help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. 
please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.